Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to John chapter 9. And the good news is, is we're, we're going to stay right there. We're going to literally read the entire chapter, okay? And we're going to take it a little bit at a time. Uh, the, the reason why John chapter 9 and the whole chapter, because it's literally some of the most hilarious conversations that you will hear in the Bible. And, and it's interesting uh, of the conversations that this blind man has with, with some folks that, that he's uh, talking to. And the title of tonight's message is Recipe for a Famous Testimony. Recipe for a Famous Testimony. The word famous literally means widely known. Now, some of you may have met someone very famous. Several years ago, I had the great opportunity to meet Shaquille O'Neal here in Lafayette. And I was just like a, a little giddy schoolgirl uh, fumbling on my words. Uh, I was standing up. He was sitting down. He was taller than me still. I said something goofy like, go Tigers, go Lakers. I don't know. But anyway, um, you, you know, I, I shook his hand and I have not washed his hand since. It's been about 10 years. Just want to let you know that little tidbit. But that's not the kind of famous that I'm talking about, okay? God is looking for some, some people to have their testimony become a famous testimony, meaning, meaning widely known out there in the highways and the byways of, of where you operate at home, whether it's at work, in your neighborhood, or wherever. And, and, and really, that's the avenue that God wants us to, to be in, right? He's called us to get saved, but then the church's job is to, to disciple the people of God, right? To go out and to, to make sure that the commission, the great commission that He's given us, is taken care of. So He's called us to, to, to train, to equip the people of God, but He expects us to do something. He expects us to, to speak about that. The word testimony literally in the Greek literally means something very strong and powerful that we say. So much that the, the word literally means that the words that we speak could stand up in a court of law. In other words, a, 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 a prosecuting attorney could not come at us to try to wear us down. What we say, what we communicate in that chair by the judge's desk has a lot of merit to it. In other words, it can stand alone. And, and that's what we, and that's what God wants to do. And we see right here in, in John chapter nine. In fact, it gets, it gets extremely hilarious as, as we go through the entire chapter. But tonight, what I want to do, my assignment is to share with you five ingredients to a famous testimony. So let's go ahead and begin. John chapter nine. We begin in verse one. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And as his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, <clears throat> got a got a pause right here. I want you to notice the state of the disciples. These guys are with the healer. They're with the person who walked on water. 
And yet, they're wanting to have a theological debate. Lord, why is he blind? Let's go there. I want to know. Now, you would think as they walked by that they would feel compassion for the blind man and say, sir, get, get up. Listen, I know somebody that I'd like to introduce you to that can take care of you, that can heal you. But what did they do? They decided to go the other way. They decided to go down a another avenue, and that was to argue that, that they wanted to to find out. And how does Jesus answer them? He says, neither. Neither. But I got to tell you, theological debates in the church are still going on today. In fact, there's a story of a pastor of a church in America. He invited a husband and wife to speak at a little conference that they had at their church over the weekend. And after it was all said and done, there were some folks in the church. Now, this is a church that has committees. In fact, they have a committee to do committees. And there were some folks in the church who got very upset because they felt like that this couple was not lined up doctrinally to what their church believed. And so they had a special meeting without the pastor. A few days later, they called the pastor, the same group. It was about uh, nine or ten people. Their feathers got ruffled. They come in, and they have a special meeting, and then they bring the pastor in a few days later. And, you know, right out, right out the gates, they said, we want to know, we want to know. Did that couple, did their doctrine, did their theology, does it really line up perfectly with ours? And the pastor says, no, and neither does yours, and he walked out. Those nine or ten people split off from that church, and they formed another church within a year, gone. You want to talk about rebellion? And what's happening in the churches now, we need to be more concerned about the health of people and, 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 and helping snatch them out of hell and being compassionate about them than worried about theology. Are you post-trib and pre-trib? Amen? They wanted an argument settled. Jesus says neither. You know what he was really saying? That's not why he was born blind. He was saying, we live in a fallen world. Things happen. People have impairments, whether it's physically, emotionally, maybe mentally. And you know what? God is still using or God uses these people despite what the world says. We continue in verse 6. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Right here we have the first ingredient. So if you're baking a cake tonight, the very first ingredient of this famous testimony was he was obedient. Jesus gives him a specific instruction. He says, this is what I want you to do. He, he makes clay, puts it on his eyes, and he says, I want you to go wash. It doesn't say that the guy took a few steps and took his shirt and kind of wiped it off. Did it? No, it doesn't say that. 
He followed every instruction that Jesus had given him. And this kind of goes along with church today. If we want to live a productive life spiritually, we've got to obey as well, right? We've got to live in obedience. Have you ever heard of somebody getting a, a blessing maybe financially? Uh, maybe they got a job promotion or maybe they were, they were out of work, but supernaturally they got a job the next day. Have, have you heard about these kind of people, you, you know? Well, guess what? You, you peel back the onion and what you do is you find out that they had sowed a seed into a ministry or maybe they started tithing and they got blessed or maybe they just simply made a meal and brought it to their neighbor who had been sick. They're walking in obedience. And so what, what that's telling us, if, if we want to have a famous testimony, we've got to walk in obedience as well. If you want a blessed marriage, guess what? As, as, the, as the husband, you are called to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You've got to walk in obedience. The, 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 the wife has got to honor her husband and respect. So if you want the blessings, we've got to walk in obedience. Amen? Now, I've got to tell you, in verse 6, we, we hear and we see where Jesus made clay. I don't know about you, but I've never really had the image until yesterday of Jesus It's, it's never, a, it's never dawned on me until I was reading yesterday and, and I thought, oh gosh, Jesus spit. You know, pictures of Jesus that, that you see and can buy at the bookstore, none of them are, you know. He makes clay and the man is healed. Verse eight. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. And look what the guy says. He says, Hey, it's me. So I can just picture the, these guys, these Pharisees in a huddle going, I wonder who that is. And he's in the background going, Hey, guys, it's me. It's me. Uh, uh, guys, it's me. Y'all really think it's him? He's saying, yes, it is me. And it gets even funnier as we go along. John chapter 9, verse 10. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes open? They were curious. He answered and said, a man called Jesus. And I want you to remember that. A man called Jesus. He made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is it? He says, I don't know. I, I just love the simplicity of his testimony. And here's the second ingredient to a famous testimony, simplicity. Keep it simple. He literally gives his testimony in 10 seconds. Watch this, watch this. 
A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Ten seconds. I love this guy. He's a bottom line guy, you know. You ever been around people and you get in a conversation and they chase rabbits in their conversation and you're just going, just get to the point, dude. You ever been around folks like that? They go on and on and on. You're taking a nap while they're talking and you wake up and, oh, thank you. you f- I'm a bottom line guy. Just give it to me. Don't let's not chase and go down streets that we don't need to go down. Just give me the information so that I can make a decision, right? Keep it simple. But here's what happens. Sometimes testimonies can get long. They can even get confusing and they can even get theological. A man called Jesus made clay. He put it on my eyes and I received sight. Continuing in verse 13, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. It gets really, really crazy. Now it was Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. When Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Okay, right here, this guy, this blind guy, he gets into a little bit of a situation. He's brought before the Pharisees, and you have to understand, Jesus did this on the Sabbath. Now, I've got to explain something to you. Why do you think Jesus healed on the Sabbath? Because I believe it brings the greatest honor when we minister on the Sabbath. Amen? So anyway, Jesus ministers on the Sabbath, but I've got to tell you, the, these Pharisees, uh, there, was a, they, there was a small group, like a subgroup of these people who did believe in healing on the Sabbath, but here's the kicker. You can't touch people and pray for them and lay hands on them. And it can only be in an extreme emergency. So if you got a cold, you can just have to wait till Monday. Broken arm, hmm, we might consider. But they could not touch. They were told that they could not touch anybody. It was all done from a distance. That's what these Pharisees were doing. This is, this was going against the grain. They wanted to know, did Jesus do any work? It went so far that these, these, these folks, they were crazy. Let's just be honest. They were crazy. If you moved a chair and it was on a hard surface like stone, you were okay. But if you moved it on the ground and, and, and created because of the legs making a little trench, they considered that work because it looked like maybe a plow was used. Yes, they were crazy. The bottom line is that they wanted to, to find out if Jesus had worked on the Sabbath. <clears throat> I do have to tell you, that in order to develop a, a famous testimony, you might have to get over some religious tradition. Okay. Let me explain it to you this way. When, um, <clears throat> when I got saved, we were in a church in Atlanta. They worship, but it, it wasn't e- expressed this way. You know what I'm talking about? It was more internal. 
So we move here and we start coming to family life 18 years ago in the old sanctuary. And we walked in and, you know, there's this lady over here doing, doing this, you know. I'm like, look at that. What's going on with that chick? We get home and I was like, did you see that? That lady's crazy. And then they had a tambourine playing. And then they had this language that was going on. I was like, these people are cuckoo baby. We ain't going back to that church. So this was weird to us. Now, our, our two daughters who are now grown and out the house. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, they're grown. They're out the house. They grew up in this atmosphere. They grew up at family life. So they were used to this. So a few years after that, we actually, uh, a relative invited us to go to a service in town at another church, and it was more liturgical. That's a big word, isn't it? It was very liturgical. And then after service, we get in the car. Hey, girls, what'd you think? I felt like I was at a funeral. So to them, this was weird. To us, this was weird, okay? So I'm just saying you might have to get a little over some religious kind of traditions that maybe you were accustomed to. Let's continue. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees also asked him again, how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. His testimony gets shorter. In five seconds, watch this. He put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. He kept it simple. Verse 16, therefore, therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he's a prophet. Now, I want you to pause right here. Remember, we said earlier that man said, He's a, a man called Jesus, and now he's calling him a prophet. The third ingredient to this guy's testimony was honor. He transitioned from a man called Jesus to he's a prophet. You know what we learned in Sunday school from the Old Testament? It is here. He's the Messiah. He's living bread. I want to tell you that he is my Messiah. He brought honor. He brought honor and respect to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He said he's not a mortal man. He is Jesus, the very Son of God. That's what he was doing. And so for us to develop a famous testimony is we've got to bring honor to the name that saved us and set us free. Amen. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received sight until they called whom the parents of him who had received his sight. And, and right here, I, I kind of get the feeling that these Pharisees dudes are getting a little perturbed. They're, they're really not too happy 
Verse 19, and they asked them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? You see, they didn't believe this son. They didn't believe him. So they went directly to the parents. Isn't that in us a little bit too? Sometimes we doubt somebody has got cancer and, and they get healed and we step back and go, hmm, might have been the chemo. We ask questions. Was it all God? Or was it half and half? Are you really sure it was a miracle? Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son. That was really bright of them to say that. <laughs> yeah, th th that's our son. Yeah, we, we know that. Well, of course. Hmm. Yep, we know that he's our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Look what they say. He's of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. Way to go, parents. Way to be there for your kid. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. And look what they say again. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. What's so funny? It is funny. It's hilarious. I told you from the beginning. His parents had a golden opportunity to bear witness to what happened to their very own child. They could, they could have said, yes, this is our son who was born blind. But I got to tell you, that guy Jesus, he, he, he did something with the clay and he, he spit. He, he put it on my, my son's eyes. And I don't know how or what, but I just know that now he sees. No, they, they, they didn't do that, did they? They didn't do it. But we can't really look down on them. Because how many times have we maybe gotten a nudge from the Spirit to share our testimony, but we feared? We held back. Verse 24, So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, the guy, the, 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 the blind man, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, now I see. This is the best testimony in all of the Bible. This guy is the coolest guy in all of the Bible. When I get to heaven, I want to look this guy up because he whittled down a 10 second to five to now three. I was blind, and now I see. And here's the cool thing. You and I have the same capacity to share our testimony in a very similar way. 
I was lost. Now I'm saved. I was a druggie. I was a drug addict or I was an alcoholic. Now I'm off the stuff and I'm living for Jesus. I used to be depressed. Now I've got a little joy in me. I used to be oppressed by, by e- emotional trauma and, and maybe grief. Now I- I'm not walking under that cloud of despair anymore. You see, you can argue theology all day long, but you can't argue a changed life. Verse 26. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? They just didn't get it. How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples? This guy had a great sense of humor. Like I said, I I want to have lunch with this guy. I can just see him. I told you already. I even made it simpler for you. I went from 10 to 3 seconds. What else do you want me to do? The fourth ingredient of this guy's testimony was just simply persistence. He did not give up. He didn't waver. You know how some people, when they they share a story and six months later it's totally different, or they've they've exaggerated like, yeah, that fish I caught last week was that big. You know what I'm saying? I know none of you do that. He didn't change his story. In other words, when he went up on the witness stand to be cross-examined, it was the same core thing. I was blind and now I see. He's my hero. Verse 28, then they reviled him or they spoke harshly or even cursed at him and said, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses as for this fellow. They're referring to Jesus as the fellow. We don't know where he's from. This guy is incredible. Look what he says. Why, this is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he's from. Yet he opened my eyes. You guys are supposed to be the religious dudes of the day and you have no clue who you're dealing with. Just incredible wisdom. Incredible wisdom. He says, this is a marvelous thing. Verse 31, now we know that God, this is the guy speaking. Look what he says. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Oh my goodness. The fifth ingredient of this guy's testimony is right here in verse 31. He was spirit led. His conversation, his tone changed a little bit. I was blind, but now I see. And now he's quoting scripture. Now he's he's coming out the closet a little bit. He's getting a little freer with these guys. He's, he's preaching to them. He's giving them not only his testimony, but he's giving them the message. And these are supposed to be the elite 
of the elite of the elite. But he is totally spirit-led. What's the application for us with this? We've got to be ready at all times to be led by the Spirit and not walk away because of fear. But a famous testimony requires to be Spirit-led. Because they will fire back at you. It, it, it's going to happen. It's going to be a given. They're going to come back at you. They're going to be. They're going to fire back. And God does not want us to be to retreat. He wants us to be ready, just to say, "Look, I was lost. I was dealing with this, but now I don't have that problem anymore. My marriage is better. My finances are in much better shape. That's all I can tell you. Look, I don't know all there is about the Bible, but I can tell you. Do you want help? Yes. Okay. Can I pray for you? That's being spirit led when you when you engage with people. You don't have to know everything about every every scripture, every line. But you don't have to know that. You just have to be available, and you just have to go through that line. You got to be obedient, right? You, you got to. You, you, you gotta, you gotta be persistent. You, you gotta be there, but you also have to be spirit led. And not simply retreat. We've gotta be ready. Bible says we've gotta be ready in season and out of season. Because you never know who's listening and you never know who is watching. Amen? Verse 32. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and now you're teaching to us. Look what they did. They cast him out. Got to let you know that nowhere, this is the first time in scripture that we hear that it's recorded that a blind man receive sight. No record. And then our hero, our hero comes. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe? Now he's talking to the man. Jesus is speaking to him. He says, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And he said, and Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. Jesus heard and came to his rescue. If ever you get kicked out of a situation or feel very uncomfortable, Jesus hears every thought, every word that comes out of your mouth and is literally ready to come and rescue you and find you. He's not going to leave you high and dry. So that you got, you think you're on this by yourself, this little island talking to maybe a coworker who's, who's, who's bashing, uh, you, you know, Christians or whatever. God hears and he understands and he's going to come to your rescue. Verse 39. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world that those who do, who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Bingo. Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Now right here, he's, talk he's not talking about physical sight. He's talking about their spiritual condition. And what he's saying is, If you would admit to me that you can't see without me, I'd take away your sin. 
But you say you want to go off by yourself and do this thing by yourself. Your sin will remain. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, my desire, our desire as a church is for all of us to develop a famous testimony. It's in us. Amen. If you're born again, you're in the process. You may have already developed, but you're in the process of developing a famous testimony. And here's the cool thing. It doesn't have to be memorized. It doesn't have to, to have all the pretty words and all the scriptures. All I can tell you is I used to be blind and now I see. And let the Holy Spirit take over. It's called obedience. It's called being simple. It's called honoring the, the, the headship of God. It's called being persistent as well as being spirit led. I want to read a quote to you that someone made. It says, everyone who gives a testimony about his or her life begins with a beginning that was inadequate until something happened and a breakthrough became evident. Now, I purposely left this to the end. But where did Jesus tell him to go? To the pool of Siloam. I want to tell you a little bit about because I, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting. This, this pool was, was part of a, a, a water tunnel. It was a great engineering feat that Hezekiah had built. Uh, it was, it was, I don't know, about 17, 1800 feet long, but, but literally at the very end where, where, where the, the, the end road, if you, you know, the water's rolling down the hill, it, it came into a pool. It was about 52 feet long, about 18 feet wide and about 19 feet deep. And, and Jesus is telling this guy to go to the pool of Siloam. It literally means to be sent. So he dips and, and, and he washes and, and, and he's healed. But over time, over the centuries, what happened to this pool, it became kind of mucky and a little bit dirty. And, and, and just because of, of, of just things happening, you know, earthquakes and different things, a lot of rubble filled in the pool. And, and all of it really, it, it only left about half of it. And in 1880, there was a, a young boy who, as most boys do, he wanted to take a little dip in the pool. And he's kind of rubbing up against the face of this rock wall underneath the water. And he feels, he feels kind of a protrusion of, you know, he's like, what is this? And so they waited long enough and the pool in there kind of dried up and, it, and it, the water level came down. And what emerged was an inscription. In other words, the, the, uh, the architect or the engineer or even the workers chiseled in Hebrew an inscription. And I've got to tell you that when they built this, this little pool right here, there were some workers who worked on this end of the 52 feet and workers on this end who kept chiseling away with a pickaxe until they literally met in the middle. And I want to read to you the final phrase that's on the inscription. It says this. At the moment of breakthrough. 
Remember, they're chiseling and they're getting closer and they're getting closer. And I'm sure they're shouting, hey, be careful. I don't need a pickaxe in my head. You're getting a little close. At the moment of breakthrough, the laborers struck each toward the other, pick against pick. Then the water flowed. At the moment of breakthrough. For this man, this blind man, he received a breakthrough. And developed, I, in my opinion, the most famous testimony in Scripture. Isn't it interesting that that inscription literally tells us not only what they encountered when they were building it, but what happened to this man. He received a, a miracle. He received a breakthrough. Do you believe that you can share your testimony? That was a question. Don't let fear grip you. It is a challenge to get in front of people and, and maybe talk about something that you, you might still feel a little uncomfortable. But when your Holy Spirit led, He will give you the words. He'll give you the appointed time. He'll open up that door for you to walk right through. Whether it's 10 seconds, 5 seconds, or 3, it doesn't matter. It can, obviously it can be longer. It doesn't have to be memorized. But God is calling each one of us to be a spokesperson for him. We talk a lot about you gotta, you gotta exhibit character, you know, you gotta do what the word says, but we also gotta say what the word says. So I don't know what maybe a situation that God has helped you in, but it's, it, it needs to be told. It needs to be shared. And I believe this. I've been praying all day that God would open up for those that, that are in here tonight, that God would open up a door supernaturally tomorrow morning so that you would be ready to say, I'm going to do this because I want to develop a famous testimony. And let me tell you, when, when you walk through that line, God will reward you. He'll give you somebody else 10 minutes later or maybe a week later. He will give you divine opportunities to minister to children, to minister to adults, to young adults. It doesn't matter age group or gender. He will give you divine opportunities. Do you believe that? And we've got to be ready. We've got to walk it. We've got to walk it out. Amen. If you would, please stand with me. Great, great, great passage of scripture with this blind man. You know, he, I just thought about it. He, he literally had to walk this out by himself. He didn't have anybody to help him. He, he didn't have his parents. I don't know if he had any siblings. He didn't have any good friends. Listen, God has called each one of us to be pastors. 
to be ministers of the gospel. And the, 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 the thing about sharing your life story is it's yours. It's your life story. It's not mine. I can't share your story because I don't know your story. You know it. When you do and you walk through that, just be very simple with them. And what will happen is, is by being very simple, they're going to be gravitated to that. And you know what? They're going to come back with another question and say, well, t- tell me more. So the question is, is what are you going to do when you get that second round of questions? I was blind and now I see. Stay the course with them. Amen. Be ready. Be prayed up to be able to share your life message. If you would, just bow your head with me. Father, I pray for everyone in here. Lord, you've called us to build our testimony. And Lord, we, we, we know, Father, you want it widely known. You, you want it, Lord, to, to be out there. You want it to be broadcasted, Lord, to our neighbors, to our friends. And I, I simply break fear. Hallelujah. I break intimidation. There's somebody right now in here that that your heart is pounding because you're very intimidated when you get around people because you feel that you're not, your words are not valued by people. You feel that your words don't really carry any weight. You feel that, 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 that when you get around a lot of people, you don't share a lot of things because, because you don't think of yourself as good enough to contribute to the conversation. And I just simply want to pray over you and break intimidation and break fear off of you. someone in here that uh, you used to be man you used to be a great soul winner but as time has goes go, go as time has gone on you've retreated a little bit you you have reverted back to some to to some patterns that that you you just simply want to sort of be in the background and i just simply break that that stronghold Father, we're believing for breakthroughs tonight. We're believing for the supernatural. And Father, just like this blind man who went the distance, Lord, he didn't give up, he didn't give out, he he didn't throw in the towel, but he said, you know what? As long as they're asking questions, I'm going to fire back at them. And so right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I break fear, I break intimidation, and I break this spirit of retreat off of the people of God. And Lord, I pray that each one of us has the just the just the just an enormous faith to be built up in the morning. So, Lord, when we put our head to our pillow and we wake up in the morning, Lord, that Lord, we will begin that journey with you of building our famous testimony, 
Lord, we know it requires some things. It requires obedience. It requires just being simple. It requires being honor to bringing honor to you and being persistent, as well as being spirit led. We pray for just a divine opportunity, even tomorrow morning. And Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you for just the blessings of God over the house of God. For it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.